We're in this series. It's called I'm In. And uh, say I'm in. We're wrapping it up, and it's been a great series just looking at our strategy. Our strategy is in your notes. If you have, uh, if you have an outline, then it's there and available so that way you can see it. Uh, I do want to make just a real quick note on a couple of things. First off, uh, Amy talked about this idea of the words. Uh, we kick this series off next week, and it's going to be four weeks long. And here's the deal. With the, uh, the, the great ice storm of 2017 that, you know, kept us... Nowhere, uh, uh, but we had to have these printed way earlier, and so, uh, and so they're off, and so basically we start this week, all right, so just kind of move the dates up to the top there, and so 2-6, we'll actually start uh, this first week, and then we're going to kick off this idea of words, and we're going to talk about the power of words uh, this next weekend. It's going to be great. I really want to encourage you to be there. Listen, we live in a very, very, very critical, negative-bent society. And you know what? It creeps its way into the church, creeps its way into our families, creeps its way into the way that we talk to each other. And so I just believe God's got something else he wants to say to us, and, and we can kind of handle uh, our words a little differently. And even how we handle difficult conversations, we're going to talk about that throughout this series. And I want to encourage you to come back and be a part of that. Listen, yesterday and Friday, we had something called the If Gathering. Ladies, can I just hear you? Yep. A lot of you. Yep. 125, 130 women, uh, you know, Sarah's team with Lauren uh, Butler, Lauren uh, Sterling, uh, Sarah Powell, uh, Cindy Skeen. Um, this weekend, a couple men actually braved the elements. They ran sound and did tech stuff for us. Sam Burns, uh, Steve Spall back here. Can you just thank that team for putting together all this effort and energy to uh, encourage our women? So. In this today, we're wrapping up this, this series, uh, uh, this whole idea of our strategy, and it's basically this. And normally, we have uh, lots of things. We just don't have the room in here to put our signage and stuff like that, but our, our strategy is simply this, building people unleashed to pursue Jesus in community on a dangerous mission. We're here to build people. God's called us to build people. He, he tells us to go make disciples. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Build people uh, by unleashing them. This, uh, this word unleash is critical. Part of even what we're going to see today, this idea of baptism, is about being unleashed. You are not your old life. You are not your past. You're new. And then it says to pursue Jesus. Derek talked about that a couple weeks ago. We're, we're here to pursue Jesus. Uh, he's already pursued us. He wants to walk with us in a relationship where it's not about rules. It's not about, you know, if you just keep doing these things that, you know what, God may let you into heaven. It's all about a relationship. We don't, we don't serve him because we have to. We don't serve him because we're scared. Those are all fine motivators, but, but we, we serve him. We love him. We want, we want to know him because of his great love for us. And then we want to live in community. This great all these rows of people is great, but it's hard because you don't get to know the person in front of you or behind you, and something beautiful happens when we're in a circle, and we have this thing called life groups, and they kick off this week, and so I want to encourage you, if you've not signed up for a life group, you want to be in a life group, I want to encourage you to, to get into a life group, and it's about, it's about relationships. It's about growing together as we pursue God. That's what it's about. And today, we're going to talk about what it means to be on a dangerous mission, and uh, and what's interesting about this is that some, some of us, maybe we don't even realize that we're supposed to be in a dangerous mission. And we'll get there in a, in a few minutes. But here's the question. When you think about Jesus, and again, I know that not all of you are, have been walking with Jesus or you know Jesus, and, but you've heard about Jesus. But here's the question. When, 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 what kind of God does Jesus reflect, reveal to, to us? As you think about Jesus, who he was, his life, as you, maybe you've read some of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. As you think about his life, what does he reveal about who God is. God came and he put on flesh and he lived among us. Jesus came so that he could tell us about who God is and about his great love for us. He, he didn't just come to, to say, hey, listen, God loves you. He actually demonstrates it by, by laying down his own life for us. 
so that we could understand the love of the Father. He came, by and large, for the most part, his central focus was on a rescue mission for you, for me, for every person you'll ever lock eyes with. He came on a rescue mission for us. And, and I, I, you may know nothing about the Bible today. You maybe have never even cracked it open. I know that you've seen this, this verse, and it's, it's, it's in Super Bowls. You'll see it tonight. You've seen it in the World Series. You've seen some dude put it on his chest, you know, John 3.16. You've, you've driven past overpasses. You've seen it graffitied on walls. If you, if you drive around the country anywhere in Kentucky, they've got this verse like on barns and different places like that. John 3.16. Here's what it says. For God so loved the world that whosoever, if you've got your outlines out, just circle the word whoever, all right? Whoever. Key word, the key word in this passage is actually the word whoever. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him, and who? Jesus, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God came on a mission for us. He made a way to reconnect us back to the Father. He came so that because he knew that we needed a Savior. He paid our penalty. He came to our rescue. I don't know about you. I, I love action movies. I love comedy movies. I'm not big on, like, you know, sappy movies. Uh, my no, the Notebook, I would never, ever choose to watch unless I just, my wife said, hey, it's time. And the Holy Spirit said, take one for the team. All right. Other than that, it's action. It's adventure. Uh, it just is. It's about the mission. Uh, this is free. Uh, I, I don't know how I'm going to use some of these clips, but there, there was a, there's a show that's been on History uh, Channel. It's called uh, The Selection. It's about all these, these 30 men and women who are all different ages, and uh, they, they don't have any military background, but they're, they're, they're studying, uh, they're training for special ops training, and it's absolutely amazing. There's a lot of language in it, so it's not for kids, but I promise you it's powerful. It's about this idea of mission and trying to figure out why do we live our lives? What's the why in your life? Why is it that you keep going? What is it that you're supposed to be about? Why do you, why do you even live? Movies. This is not my favorite one, but it's a rescue story. The, you've seen the movie Titanic, you know what I'm talking about, or maybe you've read about it, or you've been to the exhibit, or you've, you've, you know, you, you've seen the movie with Rose and Jack, you know what I'm talking about, Rose and Jack, you know. The, the, there's two scenes, all right, two scenes about Rose and Jack, if you've seen this movie. Uh, the first one is, is them on the, end of the, the front of the boat like this, you know. I've got you, Rose, you know, and cue the Celine Dion music, you know, she's belting out her high-pitched noise, and, uh, and they're doing their thing on the front of the, of the boat, and, and then the, the, the second scene that I, I most remember is the end of the, of the movie, you know what I'm talking about, where, where Jack and Rose are, he's, he's kind of like hanging on, on you know, he's like bellied up to the bar of this, they're in the water, like there's this wood, and, and like, you know, so, so Rose is, and you know what, I found a sock in my shirt, it's weird, just now, weird. All right, anyway, so you always like this? Sometimes. All right, here we go. So, where are we? Rose, she's, she's on this piece of wood. Jack is right here. He's like holding her, and she says, Jack, I'll never let go. You know, like 30 seconds later, she says, Jack, I don't know if I can hold on to you anymore. And then like 30 more seconds, all of a sudden, she says, peace out, Jack, and Jack like, let's go. Like, he just disappears into blackness of the, of the sea. It's, it's crazy. Uh, but, but the reality in, in, think about the story. This is a boat that was created and it was invincible. No one, nothing, not even God could sink it. They were not prepared in any way. They didn't even have enough lifeboats for half of the people for this boat. 
Then at 11.40 p.m. on April 14, 1912, the Titanic hit an iceberg. In the dark, water began to fill every compartment of that boat. That boat began to sink. It's tragic. 1,503 people died. Can you imagine being one of the survivors that night? 705 people survived from that boat crash. But they, they would not have had a way out if, if someone couldn't have called. They had this thing called the Marconian machine, and, and this was new technology about uh, Morse code. And so when this happened, the captain was able to do this Morse code, SOS, save our ship, save our ship, save our ship. And, and the reality is even 705 people, they could have gotten a lifeboat, but the reality is if they couldn't have made, placed this call for rescue, then you know what, eventually somebody would have found 705 people in lifeboats all frozen to death. I bet if you were a part of that rescue, or I bet if you were the person being rescued, I bet you didn't forget a rescue story like that. I love these movies where it's, it's impossible. You go, how, how, how would it ever happen? I mean, there's just no way. There's no way that this is ever going to change for them. They are done. They're so done. I don't know if you've seen the movie 33, the, the Chilean miners. I don't know if you saw that. That happened back in 2010. Uh, these miners who were, were basically just doing a, a job every single day, and they knew that it's dangerous when you go in and out. You don't know if you're going to make it out, but they'd gone in so many different times, and they just assumed, you know what, I'm going in, and I'm going to come out. And that day, they didn't know if they were ever going to come out again. They're, they're like three miles uh, from the entrance of the, of the mine. They're 2,300 feet underground. They're there for 69 days in the dark. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, you hear, the, you hear the movement. I'm sure they heard movement all the time. They're drilling down there, but all of a sudden, this is different. And they feel stuck. They feel overwhelmed. No, no light. Eventually, no food. No water. These 33 guys are thinking, this is our tomb. This is where we're staying. We're not going to make our way out. And somehow, some way, they come up with these sophisticated drilling pieces and they bring these NASA experts in and they begin to do some work and they begin to drill delicately down to where they are and they begin to get food and water to these men. And they don't know if they're going to be able to get them out, but then they can feed them and they can give them a little bit and they can try to open up a little bit of the airway so they can have some oxygen, but they're not sure. And eventually, eventually, October 13, 2010, one by one, they brought these men up from the darkness one at a time, to be rescued. All 33 Chilean miners were rescued after 69 days. I bet you if you were down there in that, in that mine, I bet you never forget a rescue story like that. Just saw this movie recently, and I'm sure most of you remember it, Flight 1549. It's about the, the miracle on the Hudson, Captain Sully, Sullenberger, uh, this story. Tom Hanks plays him. Of course, if you watch any movie Tom Hanks, it feels like he's always in a rescue story, whether it's Castaway, Captain Phillips, or this one. Just expect it to be good, expect it to be tense. But, but in this story, this, this plane takes off just like every plane does every single day. 155 passengers and crew, six minutes into takeoff, flock of geese get right in their path, and they hit these engines, and they blow these engines out. Three minutes later, they're landing in the Hudson River. This is why they call it the miracle in the Hudson. They had three minutes, y'all, three minutes. Think about this. Just put yourself in their spot, all right? Three minutes to either start these engines or, or try to figure out plan B. Plan B is either uh, we go back to the airport. Nope, we don't have time for that. Plan B is we go to Jersey and hit that small airport. Nope, we don't have time for that. Plan B is the only way out of this is, is this. We're going to take this plane and we're going to land it. The only place of rescue is this. We're going to put it on the Hudson River. 
All those pastors just thought they were, they were done. They thought they were out. And there was rescue. All 155 passengers and crew rescued. I bet you never forget a rescue story like that. I don't pretend to know your story today. I got to meet some of you this morning. I don't know all of you. But here's what I do know. This is true of all of us. And, and the reality is we're, we're a me too community, which means we, none of us have arrived. None of us have figured this out. We're not here to throw stones at anybody. We all recognize that, you know, we're a hot mess on our best day. But here's what I know about us. I don't know if maybe for you right now the season of your life is there's a sense of pride in who you are or, you, or there was a sense of pride. You thought that you were unsinkable, invincible, and you had it all squared away. And then all of a sudden this iceberg came out of nowhere. And there's water coming into your boat. And you're not sure if you can, you can keep moving. You're not sure if you're going to survive this. Guess what? A lot of people in this room that can identify with you. Maybe for you, you felt like you've been in the dark. You feel like you've been underground. You feel confused. You feel scared. You feel anxious. You feel fearful of, uh, of never being able to resurface again. In whatever capacity that looks like, relationally, socially, with an addiction, whatever that is, you're not sure that you're ever going to actually get to the surface again, see the light again. There's plenty of people in this room that feel that way. Maybe for you, you felt like everything is just frantic, that you have very little time, that, that you have nothing but all bad options, but the reality is there's a crash coming for you. Whatever that is, I want you to know this, and this is key, and this is crucial. This is the, this is the reason God brought you here today. This is, this, is, this is for you. It's for me. It's in your notes. It says this, we're all in need of rescue. Amen. We're all in need of rescue. I'm in need of rescue. Some of you don't know me. Your first time we're meeting together, you go, hey, you know, pastor, he must have like born with a Bible in his hand, a WWJD bracelet on his wrist. I mean, it must have been perfect for you. Absolutely not. I didn't grow up in a, in a, in a, in a Christ-centered family. I didn't know God. I was a hot mess. My family was a hot mess. And at 17, I met Jesus, and he changed my life. I was in need of rescue, desperate for rescue. This room is full of people who have been desperate for rescue. We are all, whether you want to admit it or not, whether you realize it or not, whether this is your, your time or not, we're all in need of rescue. I want to, I want to take the next verse from that, from that John 3.16 passage that we talked about. This, this is as impactful as John 3.16. It says this in, in John 3.17. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Circle the word save. That's why he came. He's not here to, to rub your face in your mess and, and tell us how bad we are and say, hey, listen, I can't believe you guys are such losers. No, no, no. God sent Jesus to come into the world to save the world on a rescue mission, not a blame session. That's the gospel. I love this. This verse is a game changer because here's the reality. Sometimes those of us in the church who've, who've fallen, fallen in love with Jesus, we know Jesus, we've been walking with Jesus for a long time, here's what we kind of we forget. We think that sin just makes us bad, right? Sin makes us bad. Sin is bad. But actually, sin makes us dead. Sin kills everything in its way. It says the wage of sin is death. Sin kills everything. And the fact is, at one point, most of us in this room were dead, spiritually, dead to God, dead because of our sin. Here's what the Bible says, and this is, this is just in case you've forgotten the, the, the desperation that you've actually had to have in your life. Here's what it says, Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. This is just a reminder for those of you who know Jesus, what it was like. As for you, this is what Paul says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins 
in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler and of the kingdom of the air. That's just talking about Satan. And you maybe you went, you know, I'm not, wasn't a Satan worshiper. Yeah, yeah, but he led you around. He, he moved you. He deceived you. He tempted you. He pushed you away from God, and you willingly went with him, not, not intentionally, not even on purpose, not even directly, but we did. The spirit of now working in, in the world for those who are disobedient. Verse 8, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying. Here's what we did. We gratified the, the cravings in our flesh and followed desires and thoughts. That's what I did. That's what I did for the first 17 years of my life. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Whose wrath? God's wrath. God's wrath. He's holy. He calls us to be holy, and we are not holy. Then this is beautiful. Verse 4, but, circle the word but, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, what did he do? He made us alive in Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you've been saved. Anybody, amen? amen? The Bible says that you were dead. And I'm not a coroner. I've seen dead people. I've been a part of different things where there have been dead people. There's not levels of dead. You don't go, you know what, I think he's like a four dead. He, ooh, he's, a ten, he's, he's ten dead. He's dead, dead. You're just dead. We were dead because of our sins. Dead because of our transgressions. Because God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. That is a rescue story. That we should never forget. Romans 5.8 says this. For God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Doesn't mean when we started making our way back toward God, did Jesus go, oh, you know what, they're coming. They're, they're, they're about halfway across the bridge. I'll go and meet them. No. Jesus came, put on flesh, and, and moved into our mess, moved into our story. And he gave his life. He laid down his life for us on the cross rescue story Romans 6 23 says it says for the wage of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord it's a rescue story the reality is sin separates us and you know there's a lot of churches don't like to talk about that they just want you to know that you're a snowflake that you're perfect that God loves you and he made you and he made you perfect and all these things and listen he did he did we've sinned and the word hell we, we've abandoned it because we're fearful of it we, churches don't like to talk about it because people will just get up and leave here's the reality I don't want anybody to leave but I don't want anybody to go to hell and some people go you know what it's not that big a deal all my friends are going to be there listen if you read what's in here about hell we don't want anybody to go to hell and here's the reality this is just what's true I deserve hell you deserve hell Every person who walks this earth who has sin in their life deserves to be eternally separated from God. But I love what 623 says. The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to think about this, this amazing story of rescue and then how it intersects with this on a dangerous mission because this is critical. Go ahead and write this down in your notes. On a dangerous mission. Write that down. Uh, sometimes I think well, you can just kind of say it and go, oh, on a dangerous mission. I want you to write it down. On a dangerous, just right in front of it. I'm on a dangerous mission. I'm on a dangerous mission. Maybe you're not right now. That's God's heart for you. 
That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for all of us. And here's the question. Our world is all about playing it safe, risk management. Preserve, protect, care for, guard, 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 be safe. Why is this mission dangerous? Here's why. It's dangerous because Jesus calls us to be light in a dark world. It's dangerous because Jesus says, hey, this world that we live in is not your home. It's not our home. It's not, it's not our permanent place. It's dangerous because Jesus says the world will hate you because of me. If you follow me, the world's going to hate you. It's dangerous because we have an enemy. And it says in John 10, verse 10, that he came to steal, kill, and destroy all things. He wants to stop, destroy. He wants to do whatever he can to mess with the work of God in your life and the lives of others. And then Jesus said this, Matthew 10, 16, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. He didn't say, I'm sending you out like wolves among sheep. That would be awesome. Like, I would go, hey, I'm all for that, Jesus. I mean, let's, I'm, I can be a wolf. You want to go devour something? You want to go attack something? This will be awesome. I mean, we, get, we, we have the upper hand. We, we're the alpha, female, alpha, alpha animal in this whole deal. Uh, we can go after this. No, no, no. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Dangerous. Dangerous mission. He wants us to understand the mission. Students in the room, God is sending you out tomorrow like sheep among wolves in your school. Danica talked about it. It's difficult. We have a lot of teachers and coaches in the room. It's difficult. For those of you that work outside your home, guess what? Sheep among wolves. Some of you come from difficult families that aren't like super excited about Jesus. Like, we love Jesus. Yes, we do. We love Jesus. How about? No? Okay. I mean, no. No. They don't want you, they don't want to hear it. They bang you every time you go home about being in church. Why are you there? That's stupid. You're an idiot. Why are you doing this? You're sheep among wolves. Jesus said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. And then he says this. It's not enough comfort there. He says this in Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Why would Jesus even say that if it wasn't dangerous? Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. I love our military. And we don't ever get enough time to just express our gratitude and thanks for them. But there are many, many, many and I see them all the time, these veterans that have these Vietnam hats on, and I go up to them every single chance I get. And I think about the, the, the brothers and maybe even sisters that they had out there on the battlefield that lost their lives for our freedom. And we celebrate that. Think about our police and uh, the men and women who lose their lives in the line of duty. Um, it's worthy of celebrating that. Our firemen who, who sometimes lose their lives in the process of just trying to rescue somebody from a burning building. The first responders. Listen, I, I make no uh, light of, of none of those scenarios because they're amazing scenarios. But let me just help you understand this. Jesus came on a dangerous mission to rescue you and me and every person on the planet. And he would willingly lay down his life. He would give up his life and 
die on a cruel cross so that we could know the extent of the Father's love. Why? Why? And it's the only answer that, that's, that's available. It's the only answer that's true. It's the only answer in Scripture. It's love. His love for you. His love for me. It makes no sense. It blows my mind to think that if God knows everything about me, that I know about me, that I don't want you to know about me, and yet he says, no, 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 I still love you. In fact, it's an honor for me to, to lay down my life for you. It's love. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And then three days later, our fallen hero returns from the grave alive. Sin is defeated. Death is defeated. Jesus is God. He is the Messiah. He is the one, the promised one who was to come. All these prophets that talked about him hundreds of years before that, all those prophecies fulfilled in Jesus. Hope is restored. There is a way for you and I to know abundant life and have hope in this world. His only name is Jesus. And then Jesus does something after he resurrects from the grave. In fact, he, he says something to those who are already rescued, these, these ordinary disciples. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Here's what he says. Jesus came to them and said, all authority on earth and heaven and on earth have been given to me. That's, authority's been given to him because he's resurrected from the grave. And here's what he says. Therefore, some adjectives, some, I'm sorry, some action words. Go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Jesus looks at these already rescued men and says this, Hey, listen, I want you to go. I said I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. It's time. I want you to go. I want you to share this amazing news. I want you to give it to the world. I want the world to experience my love. There's, there's a solution to the problem of sin in our lives. There's, there's an answer to the pain in our world. There's a cure for death. It's called Jesus. It's the gospel. Go and share it. It's dangerous because living as a Christ follower is not a home game for us, y'all. We are lights in a dark world. The stakes are high, life and death hang in the balance. Everyone will die and everyone will spend eternity somewhere. And here's the reality. As it depends on us, we don't want anybody to experience life apart from Jesus. Jesus has called us to go. At least to give everyone a chance to hear the gospel and then decide for themselves. And just in case you're confused as to what that means and what that looks like to be a part of a dangerous mission, I'm going to give you three things quickly. Uh, the first one is this, in your notes, use your gifts and serve somewhere in his church and love people. Derek talked about this two weeks ago. God's given you gifts, abilities, talents. He's given you a story. He wants you to use your gifts, the part that you play. You're a part of the body. Use your part to serve the church, build up the church, love people. Second part is this, give generously. Why? Because people matter. Give generously toward the mission See, as a church, every church has a, has a mission, they have a vision, they have a budget, and the reason they have a budget is because they're trying to go after something in particular. And our leadership has gotten together and discerned, this is what we're doing, this is what we're about, this is what we need, this is how we reach more and more people, this is how more and more people get to know Jesus and enter into a relationship with him. It takes all of us. I don't have a ton of money, that's okay. It's not about, it's not about big gifts, it's about equal it's not equal gifts, it's equal sacrifice. It's us trusting God, saying, listen, there's nothing greater, nothing more important 
than funding the mission to help more people know Jesus. Third point, love those that are far from God. Love those that are far from God. And what's sad is that, is that people who had these amazing rescue stories forget what it felt like to be lost. I mean, if you ask any of those Chilean miners, hey, can you tell me that story? They're going to remember it. And these people, I know that most of them aren't alive today with the Titanic story. You ask them, hey, what was your story? What was it like? They could tell you. The miracle on the Hudson, those 155, they can tell you their story. You know what's crazy? And it's sad. There are a lot of Christ followers who have forgotten their own rescue story. Forgot what it felt like. Forgot what it, what it, what it, what, what that experience was like. They forgot the, the moments, the, the emotional pieces, the, the, the radical understanding of, wow, I am, I, I'm, I'm desperate. Like, I, I need God. And then oh, being overwhelmed by his love in whatever way, shape, or form that happened for you. It's a dangerous mission. Loving those who are far from God. Loving those who don't believe what you believe. Loving those who, who aren't sure that they, they buy into what you buy into. That's okay. Loving those who have a different mindset. That's okay. Loving those who are far from God. That's part of what God calls us to. That is the dangerous mission. And here's the reality. It's not a home game. We're not the majority. We're being sent out like sheep among wolves. But yet we don't go alone. Verse 20 says this, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus didn't didn't just say, hey, listen, good luck. Peace out. See you on the other side. Wherever you're going to go, I'm going to go in, go, go with you. And what's cool about those of us who are Christ followers is that the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. We need not be afraid. Church in America isn't doing all that hot. Most are, are plateaued. Some are, uh, are, are, de- are, are digressing numbers in people. You know why? Because the heart of its people has forgotten the dangerous mission. And we cannot forget this mission that God's called us to. Today, we're going to be reminded of some amazing rescue stories and baptism. And, and, and we get to see people who said, you know what, I just love Jesus and I'm desperate for him. I'm so grateful for what he's done in my life. And I want to walk with him and I want to live for him. And, and I, I want my life to count for him. And, and that's going to be the reality today. We're going to see people who have, have never taken this step, take this step. We're going to see people who've been walking with Jesus, who have never been baptized, say, you know what, I trust Jesus. And I want, to, I want, to, I want everybody to see it. Baptism is a picture of big faith. It's a picture of, of big faith. I mean, here's the reality. You know what? You can be baptized lots of different places. Most people would opt not to do this in front of a bunch of people, but people do it all the time. And I want to take you back to the very first time in the book of Acts. Peter, who's this ex-fisherman, who's this guy who, who, who wasn't sure about who God was, and then all of a sudden Jesus entered his life and, and changed his life. He walked with Jesus for three and a half years, saw Jesus die, messed up a lot of his life, but yet God used him to speak the very first sermon to give birth to the very first church. And he preaches about this blood-stained cross and this empty tomb. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 2, 37 through 41. It says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, which means they were convicted. And they said to Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for, for, for your children and for all who are far off. 
for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 people were added to their number that day. So Peter preaches. He basically shares a message like I've shared with you today. And people say, hey, what do I need to do? He says, hey, listen, let's do this. You want to do this? You want to go all in? Give your life to Christ, be baptized. Repent, which means turn from your old life, whatever your sin, your, your shame, your past, whatever that was, whatever that was, it doesn't matter what it was. Here's the reality, we all had whatever that was, but repentance is saying, hey, listen, I'm not gonna let my past impact my present or impact my, my future. It's, it's all different, it's all new from here on out. And they were baptized. Baptism is also a picture of new life in Christ and letting go of our past. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, It's a new creation. The old, gone. The new has come. You don't have to drag around your past anymore. It's this word unleashed that we've been talking about. You can move toward freedom. And Jesus would trade our sin for for his perfection, our our, our past for his holiness, our our shame for his righteousness. Here's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here's what that means, that when God sees you, he doesn't see your old you. He sees Jesus. He sees his righteousness. Last point, why baptism? Baptism is a picture of saying, I'm in. I'm totally in. I'm not like thinking about it. I'm, I'm going all in, cannonball. I'm not ashamed. I'm not afraid. Uh, I love Jesus. I want everyone to know it. It's a song we sang last week. How can it be? It says, you plead my cause. You right my wrong. You break my chains. You overcome. You gave your life to give me mine. You say that I am free. How can it be? If all that's true, and you're here today and you've never taken this step, why would you wait until another Sunday or another service or another second to do this? Peter, the guy who started the church, God used his brokenness. He said this in 2 Peter 1.3, everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God, the best invitation we've ever received. You've been invited by the creator of the world, the savior of the world, the spirit of God. God has stuck out his hand and said, hey, I want you. I know everything about you. Come to me. I'm available for you, and, and, I, and, and you need a rescuer, and, and, and my son is it, so come follow me. Maybe you need to talk to somebody today. And if you do, that's great. There's going to be people in the back right over here. There's bathrooms back here. That, uh, there's people that would love to talk with you about what it means to follow Jesus, answer any questions you have about what it means to follow him. Some of you, you're going, you know what? It, it would be awesome, but I didn't come ready for it. I wasn't planning on doing it, and I have clothes on. That's, that's great. We have plenty of shirts and shorts and towels. And here's the reality. About half the people that get baptized, they weren't planning on it either. But they came and God said, hey, it's time. Today's your day. And they said, let's do it. Acts 22 says this. Now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash your sins away, calling on his name. Nothing. 
is better than experiencing these rescue stories. And maybe today, this is your rescue story. Gateway, let's never lose sight of this dangerous mission that God's called us to. Let's be compelled by our own personal rescue stories to go out and love people as they are and help them meet a God that can change everything in their lives. So here's the deal. I'm going to pray. Bane's going to come up and play a couple songs. And we've got several people that are already planning on doing this today, and they can make their way this over here if they want to. Uh, if today's your day and you just weren't planning to, that's okay. We'd love to talk with you about that. And so uh, what's God saying to you? That's just the question. And whatever he's saying, trust him. All right? Thanks for being here. Let me pray. We're going to worship together, and then we'll end this service with a bunch of cool baptisms, some amazing rescue stories. Pray with me. God, we love you. Thank you so much for, um, even though we were dead in our sins and our transgressions, that we were made alive because of Jesus. God, thank you for the foolishness of preaching that we were able to talk about you and somehow, some way, people connect with you and know you. And God, thank you for worship, the opportunity just to spend some time singing and reflecting on who you are and what you've done for us and the promises that we have in you today in this life and also in the life to come. God, we pray for uh, our friends and family here today that maybe have just never taken the step or didn't know, had no idea, thought that you were mad or angry or frustrated or thought Christians were all one way and the reality is they're not. God, may we be like Jesus. May this church be like Jesus. May we love people as they are. May we give generously toward a mission to reach and love lost people. May we use our gifts to build up this church and love people well. And God, as you send us out like, like sheep among wolves, not a home game, God, just remind us, breathe on us again, just the affirmation that you're with us. You're going with us, that your spirit that lives in us, that resides in us is the mystery the very thing that raised Christ from the dead. So God, give us confidence. Give us compassion. Give us love. Break our hearts for people. Thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity to be baptized today. It is an equalizer that no matter who you are, what you've done, how much you've made, how much of a mess your life has, has been, that, that all can be new in Jesus. And we celebrate that today. For those in the room that have just never taken that step, God, would you just allow them to push back on fear and may they uh, courageously just chase your heart God would you ambush us today with your love would you remind us that you sent Jesus that if you didn't love us you would have done nothing and just left us alone that you sent Jesus on a rescue mission to save us save the world so God may we be about that we recognize that. May that overwhelm us today. May it change the way that we sing these next several songs. May it change the way that we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.